Good morning again. You guys excited for the word today? All right, grab your Bible, head over to Matthew chapter 25. We will be there in just a moment. Before we get there, though, I want to recommend a book to you. Uh, this is a book called Kingdom Stewardship by Tony Evans. It's brand new, hot off the press. Uh, and I used some of it in my message today. I recommend it. I'd love for you to go to Amazon and buy it. It's a great book. Tony Evans, Kingdom Stewardship. And so I want to give this one out. Who wants a Kingdom Stewardship book? All right, you got to come around and come up here because I'm on camera, all right? So I don't want to throw this and there'll be video evidence of me hitting somebody in the face with that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Enjoy that. All right, so uh, we are in a three-week series right now called Life Goals, uh, just going through Matthew chapter 25, and uh, we're talking about this idea that we as a culture tend to be consumed with the future, all right? We tend to be consumed with the future, 401ks and retirement, and, you know, we're, ha- we're pressuring kids in middle school to, to tell us their college intentions and, and all of that, and it's just, it's just getting crazy. And so last week, I used this illustration uh, to talk about this for a little bit. This is... This is a rope, but this rope uh, represents your eternal life, okay? You will spend eternity somewhere with Christ or without him in his presence or outside of his presence, joy and peace or torment and pain. And so you will spend eternity somewhere. So my challenge to you in this Life Goal series is that many of us tend to spend our whole time on earth focused on just our time on earth. This red spot here on the rope represents your time here on earth. It is but a humble beginning. It is but a blip on the map of eternity. And yet we will spend all of our time focused on this life. We'll spend like this middle time saving, 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 saving so that we can retire for this millisecond like we want to, right? And we'll, we'll say, ah, oh, I just want to, I want to have this, the right house for that millisecond, and I want to have, I want to go camping, and that's what we're all about, and it's, it's just crazy. In light of eternity, it's absolutely crazy. So what if our goals weren't about this life, but they were about the next? What if our focus wasn't on this life, but the next? Now, this life absolutely has meaning, right? I'm not saying it doesn't. In fact, This life determines what happens in the next life, right? So it is absolutely important, but only in so much as it affects eternity. The only things that matter in this life are eternal things. So I want to challenge you to be thinking that way. And so in Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus is talking about his return and how he's going to come back. And it's in Matthew 24 and 25, actually. And so he's talking about that day when your life ends on this earth, when the red part of the rope stops and you enter into eternity and you face Jesus and there's a day of accounting, there's a day of reckoning and you're in that moment. He's talking about that day. And so Matthew 25, he gives us some life goals, life goals from Jesus, all right? Here's what you should be focusing on rather than just this life. And his point is not to focus on this life, but to focus on the next. So he gives us three really practical life goals from Jesus, as we've seen in Matthew 25. Three teachings in Matthew 25. Two of them are parables, and we're covering all three in the life goals series. But here are those three life goals. He says, get ready. We talked about that last week in the parable of the ten virgins. Get ready for what? For his return. 
Get ready for his return. Invest wisely. Talk about that today. And give generously. Get ready. Invest wisely. Give generously. Life goals from Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. But before we get into what we're going to talk about today, which is the parable of the talents, which you've probably heard before, we're going to talk about that today. Before we get into that, imagine this. Imagine that you invite me and my wife Erin over to your house for dinner, which is a great idea. <laughs> if, if it's steak and maybe you can throw in some cheesecake or something, like I would totally show up, all right? So jake at greatoaks.church. But you know my email address because I email you almost every week and you read it word for word, right, religiously. So I know that you guys are faithful readers of Pastor Jake's email. Uh, yeah, I didn't think you were. Okay, it's okay. Right into the delete, like just trash, delete it. All right. Anyway, so you invite me over, Aaron and I over, for dinner at 6 o'clock. Imagine that at 5.45, you hear the door open and close and somebody comes in. You're in the kitchen. You're waiting on your husband to come home. You told him to come home at 5, but he's still not there. You're hoping this is him. So you come out from the kitchen. You're preparing the meal. You come out from the kitchen, and there we are, me and Aaron just standing in your house. We just walked in. We didn't knock, nothing. It's kind of weird, kind of a level jump, right? But you're like, okay, whatever. And so you're like, oh, hi, how's it going? Uh, my husband's not home yet. I'm working on the meal, but he, this is the living room. You can sit on the couch and just kind of hang out, and I'll be right with you just a second. And so you go back, and you start to work on the meal. About five minutes later, you get to a place where, where you can stop and come check on us. And so you come out from the kitchen, go into the living room, and we're not there. So you go to the entryway. No, we're not there either. Look outside. Our car's still there. So you know we're in the building somewhere, in the house somewhere. So you start to head down the hallway. When you head down the hallway, you bump into me. I've got your hallway closet open, and I'm rummaging through your linens. (laughs) About that same time, Erin steps out of the bathroom. She's got a prescription bottle in her hand. She's going, what is this? Found it in the medicine cabinet. And she's wearing your shirt. You're like, was she in my closet? This is getting really weird. Man, if that happened, you'd be looking for cameras, right? You'd be like, is this a joke? What is going on? Nobody goes into somebody else's house and starts to use it and treat it like it's their own, right? Nobody does that. Nobody except every single one of us. That's what we do with God's house, with God's creation. We treat it like it's ours, like we own it, although we own none of it. We treat it as if we created it, although we created none of it. In fact, we can't create anything. The Bible says this over and over and over, but I want to show you one passage or two, actually. The first one's in Psalm, or the book of Psalms, Psalm 24, verse 1, says this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's. The whole thing belongs to him. Why? Because he created it, right? Because he created everything. That's what it says in the next verse. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. He made the thing. He made it. So follow me here. That means that you and I cannot create anything out of nothing. 
right? We can't. We can't do it. Every bit of science, every idea, every invention, every construction, everything that you would say that you made was actually just a rearranging of what God has already created. You can't create anything, therefore you can't own anything. God is the only one who can create something out of nothing. You and I cannot do that. That's why 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says this. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Everything you have was received by God. None of it really belongs to you. Every dime, every talent, every minute, every idea, every synapse firing in your brain, every ounce of willpower, every kiss or hug from your kids, every kiss shared with the one you love, every breath, it was all given to you by God for God. You don't own any of it. And you don't even own yourself. Because Psalm 24 says he owns the world and all who dwell therein. That's you and that's me. We don't own anything. And yet we go into God's house and we rummage through his cabinets as if we own it. And this started way back in the fall, right? At the fall. Genesis chapter 3. God first creates everything and then he creates Adam and he says he wants Adam to cultivate it and he gives he gives Adam this immense amount of freedom along with Eve to cultivate what he has created and yet he's not to own it Adam and Eve they're not to own it they're supposed to be managers they're supposed to be managers managing and stewarding what God had created by his direction so, so God then puts a tree a tree of knowledge in the middle of his creation, and he wanted, he wanted Adam and Eve to get their knowledge from him, not from their own logic and their own reasoning and their own whatever, but, but to get their knowledge from him. And, and he, so he puts this, this tree that will lead to death in the middle of all this life. Why, why does he do that? Why does he put that tree there? It's, it's there as a reminder to Adam and Eve. This is not your house. You don't own this. You are to steward and manage this, and you have a lot of freedom. Really just one rule, right? Really just one rule. You got a lot of freedom, but you're going to manage this. You're to manage and steward my creation by my direction. Nonetheless, you are managers of what's mine, God says. And, of course, we know what happened. Adam and Eve break God's rule. They rebel against God's benevolent, loving, kind kingship over what is his, over what he created. They don't want what God's given them. They want, don't want the knowledge that he's given them. They don't, they, they don't like the position he's given them as stewards and managers. They don't, they're not satisfied with the freedom he's given them to carry out the task that he's given them. They don't want to be managers in God's house. They want to own God's house. And because of that sin and rebellion, sin and death, pain and sorrow enter into their lives and into your life and into my life. 
So before we even look at the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, I want you to understand something. And this, this truth, if you'll live by it, it's life-changing. But it'll take a lot of effort. If you believe what I'm about to say and you start to live by it, it'll take some effort. You're going, you're going to have to rearrange things. You're going to have to rearrange your priorities. You're going to have to rearrange your calendar. You're going to have to rearrange your finances. You're going to have to rearrange the way you relate with others. It's going to take some effort, and yet it will also save you from a lot of unnecessary pain and sorrow. So here's the truth I want you to understand. The highest position you can hold in God's kingdom is manager. The highest position you can hold in God's kingdom is manager. You own none of what you have. You own none of it. Everything in your hands, your mind, your bank account, your house, it all belongs to God, given to you by God for God, for his purpose, for his kingdom, for his glory, to expand what is his, to push back the darkness with his light. And and while business, you're a manager, and while business owners, they may, they may be off on business, on business trips here and there. They may leave town. A good business owner always comes back and checks up on the managers to make sure they're managing what is his properly. There will be a day, there will be a day of accounting, a day of reckoning. Let's look at the parable, Matthew 25. It starts in verse 14. I'm going to read the whole thing to you. And then I'll give you three things to think about and then two application steps. But before we even get into the parable, one piece of information I want you to understand so that you can understand the parable better. You'll see in the parable these three servants are given by the master. They're given what's called a talent or talents. And a lot of us go straight into the English word talent that's spelled the same way. And we think about abilities. But I want you to understand uh, that this is not directly talking about our abilities. In fact, a talent at this time was very clearly a weight of worth. Okay? A weight of worth. So some scholars have said this is 75. One talent weighs 75 pounds. And that that it is the equivalent of over a million dollars in today's currency. Okay? So even the servant who gets the least amount of talents gets a, an incredible, significant amount of wealth to steward for the master, okay? So it is literally money. I want you to understand that. But I think that in the parable, we can understand it and apply it as more than just money. So when it talks about talents, I think we can apply it as our abilities, our time, our influence, and our money. Don't forget the money part because it's directly money, okay? Ability, influence, time, and money. That, that's the talent that this parable, I think, is talking about. And so all of that is owned by God, given to you to manage for his purposes. Keep that in mind as we read this parable. I'll read the whole thing to you, starting in verse 14 in Matthew 25. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. 
Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22, And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to he who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Lots we could zero in on in this, in this parable in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, right? But I want to start off by just saying it's not that difficult to understand. Like, don't psych yourself out. You don't need a seminary degree to figure this thing out. It's pretty plain, actually. Matthew 24 and 25 are about Jesus leaving and returning someday. So in this parable, Jesus is the master. The master is Jesus. He's gone, but he'll come back. Three servants. One's given five talents, one's given two talents, and one's given one talent. Then in the parable, the master comes back. He was gone, but he came back. There's a day of reckoning, a day of accounting, a day of accountability. And so he comes back. It could go bad. It could go good, right? Master comes back, it could go bad, it could go good. The Bible tells us that right now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He ascended into heaven. He's going to come back. There's going to be a day of reckoning. It could go bad, it could go good, right? In the parable, it goes really good for two servants. The one who had five, ones who had five and two talents, they doubled what they were given. They knew that the master gave them everything they had and that they were to sow it, that they were, they were to grow it, that they were to invest it wisely to expand his business, to expand his territory. They knew that and they did well and they received a reward, right? The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. The third servant, not so much. He had one talent, still a significant amount of wealth. He was scared, so he buried it. He dug a grave, and he put the talent inside. The master calls this servant, the third servant, wicked, slothful, worthless. He has the talent taken from him and given to the one who has ten. And then he has him, the third servant, cast into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You can decide if that's hell or that's just regret 
for the believer who didn't, you know, didn't do what he was supposed to. In other words, you can decide if the third, for yourself if the third servant is still saved or not, um, if he's going to heaven or not. That's for you to decide. But either way, it's really, really bad, right? I don't want you to miss that. It's really, really bad. This is not, this is not what you want to hear from Jesus on that last day. You don't have to have a seminary degree to figure this out. You don't have to, you don't have to really, you just read it a couple times. You got the meaning, right? Jesus is going to return, and it matters what you do with what you've been given. It matters, right? It matters. But I want you to understand some things about the third servant that I think will help you a little bit. First of all, even though Jesus calls him slothful, I don't think Jesus is saying that the third servant is lazy in everything that he does, okay? I think he's saying that he's slothful or lazy in, the, in kingdom work. When it comes to kingdom work, when it comes to, to, to expanding his master's territory, he's slothful in that, right? So he, he takes the talent that was given to him, he buries it, and he doesn't spend it, he buries it, and he just goes and kind of lives his life. And so I think this dude could be busy. Like he, he's probably not laying on the couch. Like a lot of, a lot of us would kind of get out of this parable, like rationalize our way out of it because we're not laying on the couch, we're not lazy, right? You go, I'm not lazy, so I'm not the third servant, I'm doing something, right? But I don't think that's what he's saying. I think, I think he could be busy. He could be the busiest dude in town, going from appointment to appointment to appointment, from activity to activity. Uh, he could be doing his own business. Uh, he could be moving around. He could be a workaholic, working hard on his own kingdom. But when it comes to the master's kingdom, when it comes to the master's territory, he's, he's lazy. Busy? Maybe. Just busy doing the wrong things. And then secondly, the servant, the third servant thought that being a servant, seems like he thought that being a servant was enough. Just being, just having the title servant, like wearing the servant t-shirt and having the servant necklace and writing in your Facebook little status thing that's always there. I don't remember what it's called. Your profile thing that you're a servant of, you know, and, and that's enough. I'm a servant. Being a servant is enough. No need to actually serve. I'm just going to be a servant. Like, I was given a talent. Not very many people are given talents. I'm already in. I'm not going to mess around. I'm just going to bury it, live my life for myself, and I'm going to wear the servant T-shirt, and I'll be good to go. I'll spend my time on myself. It's the same for a lot of us. We think that just, just getting there is enough. Just, just getting to heaven, being a Christian. But, but hear me, beloved. Coming to church, getting in, making it to heaven, that's not supposed to be your sum total. The sum total of your, your endeavor, your, what you produce as far as advancing God, God's kingdom goes. It's not supposed to be the sum total of your investment into God's kingdom. There will be a day of reckoning. And I, beloved, I'm pleading with you, don't, don't make it to where you're standing on that day of reckoning and you're going, well, Jesus, I did the minimum. I prayed a prayer. I got baptized. I went to church. Sat in a chair and sang songs. I even shook like three people's hands during the greeting time. I didn't want to, Jesus. You know I didn't want to. 
Did the minimum, aren't you proud, Jesus? Don't, don't, don't let that be the case for you, beloved. If you spend, make no mistake, if you spend your life, your time, abilities, money, influence on your purposes, your pleasures, on expanding your own little kingdom, you will be called on that day a wicked, slothful, worthless servant. That's hard. Those are harsh words, right? But this ain't my parable. This is Jesus' parable. Don't let that be you. And then the third thing I want you to understand about this servant, as I read this, it seems like he didn't, he didn't take seriously his master's return. So his master gave him this and said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. You ever done that with your kids? Like, hey, you need to clean your room up. I'll be back. I'll be back. And you come back and you're like, you did nothing. <laughs> All right? They didn't think you were coming back that quick, right? They're like, give me some more time, all right? Same thing with the third servant. Like, it seems like he didn't take seriously that his master could return any time. Whereas the first two servants, they knew the master was coming, and they went at once. They went at once and started to invest in the kingdom, started to invest in expanding their master's territory. They didn't mess around. They thought he might return tomorrow. We got to get to work. Maybe you're like the wicked servant. In Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, because you don't fully believe that Jesus is going to return. You don't fully believe that at some day, you will, one day, you will face him in heaven or when he returns, you'll face him and you'll really and truly have to give an account of what you did with what he gave you. A manager's account, a steward's account. You don't really believe that. Beloved, if that's you, it just means you're not, you're not really his servant yet, right? It just means, just means you haven't fully surrendered your life to the master yet. Because, because if you had, you, you would believe that you're going to meet Jesus one day, and what you do with the little red part of the rope matters for eternity, and you would want to increasingly more and more live your life for eternity, towards eternity, faced towards expanding the kingdom of God, investing wisely to expand the kingdom of God. You would believe that this life is just a temporary blip on the map of eternity. And so if that's you, you're just not quite, you haven't given your life over to Jesus yet. And let me pause for just a second and say, let's do it today. If that's you, let's do it today. Like nothing's stopping you. There's nothing in your way. All you have to do is just have a willing heart to say, Jesus, I need you. You have to believe in the cross of Christ that covers your sin, pays your debt, and in the resurrection of Jesus that bought for you eternal life. You have to believe in that, have faith in that, and that whole idea of faith is that you bank your life on it. You live like it. You surrender your life to Jesus. He becomes not just saved, not just someone who did something good for me, but he becomes Lord and leader of your life. If that's you today, you haven't yet become a servant of Jesus, not really, not fully, then I just want to invite you to do it here. Just do it now. 
You don't need me to say a, a specific prayer. You don't need holy water. You just need your heart to be willing, and you need to say, Jesus, I need you. Make me more like you. Transform me into someone new. Help me to live for eternity. Make me different, a different person when I leave this place than the one that came in today. And I believe the Holy Spirit, I, 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 I'm 100% on this thing. I believe the Holy Spirit, upon that confession of faith, will be faithful to transform your heart and your life for Jesus Christ. And so if that's you, I just want to give you that opportunity. Don't leave here without giving your life to Jesus and becoming truly and fully, completely a servant of his. So three things we get from this. Busyness, busyness doesn't mean that you're serving the right master in the right kingdom, right? You're serving your own kingdom. And then getting in, getting in the door isn't what matters. Getting others in is. And finally, take seriously the promise of Jesus' return. He will come back. It will happen. Let me, let me switch gears here. And I want to give you two just application points. Um, very, very simple. How do we invest wisely in the kingdom of God? How do we apply Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, two very simple application points, not complex at all. You can, you can do these today. You can start to, to apply this parable today, okay? So two very simple applications of this parable. You've been given time, abilities, influence, and money for the kingdom of God. You are a manager, not an owner. So what should you do? Invest wisely. How? Do these two things, among others, but do these two things. Number one, tithe faithfully. Tithe faithfully. The talents are literally money. I don't want you to miss that. A lot of times we go, oh, I'm going to give my abilities to God, but hold on to my money. The talents are literally money. You can apply it to abilities, influence, and time, but you can't until you apply it to money. Because it is literally money. So tithe means 10% of whatever comes to you. The first 10%. So like we said, 100% of it is God's. None of it belongs to you, right? 100% of it is God's. And so in my understanding of the scriptures, the tithe, giving 10% of your income, the tithe is a biblical minimum. And so this isn't like, Oh, when I get to be a mature believer, I'll do this. When I get to a certain place, I'll do this. Later, I'll do this. And then I'll be like, whoa, look how I give 10%. Like, that's a lot. No, 10% is a, is a biblical minimum as I read the scriptures. It's a starting point. In fact, the book of Malachi says that if you withhold the tithe from the Lord, that, that God calls you a thief. You are robbing God. So it is a biblical minimum, in my opinion. And it goes to the local church, the church that you belong to, to expand the kingdom of Christ on earth. Listen, if you don't believe in what your church is doing enough to tithe to it, then you're in the wrong church. And if you don't believe in any church enough of what they're doing, to tithe, then you love money too much. And you need to repent. Welcome to Great Oaks. <laughs> All right. 
tithe faithfully. I said it was simple. I didn't say it was easy, all right? It's simple. It really is simple. You just move the decimal, all right? We can have a math class later. You just move the decimal, all right? You just go online and set up recurring automatic giving. You just write the check, okay? You just, it's very simple. You just do it. It may not be easy, but it's simple, all right? Tithe faithfully. Start today. I don't have time to get into this really deeply, but I have in past sermons, and I will in future sermons. If you want to know more about tithe, then go to Grow Class this next Sunday during 945 service, Child Care Provided, Washington Campus. Yours is at 830, and you can learn, among other spiritual disciplines, you can learn a little bit about the tithe. We also talked about that a little bit in our Connect class. So sign up for those classes. You can ask those, those questions that you have about tithe. We want to talk to you about it. If you have questions about it, we will do that, all right? But tithe faithfully, that's number one. The second application point here that's very simple, you can start it today, is to serve sacrificially. Serve, invest wisely in the kingdom of God. How? I tithe faithfully and I serve sacrificially. This includes serving outside of the church, in the community, serving those who are in in the greatest need. But we're going to talk a lot about that next week because Jesus is going to talk about it at the end of chapter 25, okay, of Matthew. So today, what I'm talking about is serving in the church. So this starts with the church. You serve the church. You serve in the church. Not when it's convenient, not when it's easy, um, not in some ministry you made up. Like, I'm just going to do this thing over here. I'm like, okay, great. We need you over here. So you fill a need. You figure out what the need is. How can you help your local church expand the kingdom of God, push back the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ? You find where you fit. You fill that need based on what God has given you to manage, your ability, your time, your influence, and your money. Serve sacrificially, regularly. At Germantown campus, we have three services. So we're always trying to get you to accept this idea and live out this idea that you work one, worship one. It's not that long of a time on a Sunday morning. You work one, worship one. I would love for all of our people at Germantown campus to to feel weird if they don't serve. To come on Sunday because we've got, we're just going to, today we're just going to have so many people go and sign up for volunteers that we're just going to have so many that we're just going to, like you're not going to have to serve every Sunday, right? All right, one person's excited about serving for Jesus. Should we back up to tithe? You guys want me to talk tithe longer? All right, serve sacrificially. So, so you, you know, I would love for it if you're not on to serve that week. You come to Germantown campus and you're like, man, this is weird that I'm not serving. Let that be weird to you because you usually work one, worship one. At Washington campus, man, we've got kids workers and others who are serving sacrificially every single week. We need you to get in and begin to serve so that those people can actually go to church every now and then. So serve sacrificially, okay, regularly. Why? Because God has chosen to give the most, precious of, the most precious of things, the gospel, the stewardship of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the local church. He's chosen the local church to be the vessel that carries and stewards the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me. He didn't, cho- he didn't choose humanitarian organizations. 
He didn't choose secular nonprofits. He didn't choose the government to steward the message and gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't give that responsibility to Rotary Club or Kiwanis. Those are fine. He just didn't. He didn't give it to para-church organizations. He gave the stewardship of the gospel to the church and the church alone to push back the darkness in our world with the light of Jesus Christ. It was given to the church. So you serve sacrificially in the church first and foremost. And again, if you don't believe in what your church is doing enough to serve this way, then you're in the wrong church. And if, if you won't serve any church this way, then you're in sin and you need to repent. You need to repent. Tithe faithfully, serve sacrificially. Two ways. I didn't say it would be easy. I said it would be simple. <laughs> Might not be easy, but it is simple. Beloved, God has given you abilities and time and money and influence to manage, to steward for his kingdom purposes. Don't go bury it. Don't dig a grave for it and put it to death. Instead, serve. Use those to serve and give. Because if you bury it, you are missing out on so much joy that your master has for you. You're missing out on this huge reward. So today, the application is pretty simple, and we've tried to make it that way. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you do number two. We're going to help you do serve sacrificially today in our service. We're going to help you with that. And so you got a talent on your way in, hopefully. Um, if you didn't get one, you can get them at the tables in a moment. But I want you to fill that out. Just put your basic information on that. And, and we're going to take 10 minutes in our service. We're not done. I'm going to come back up. We're going to sing one last song together. I'm going to finish out. But I want everybody in here to take that talent and to give it to a ministry at a table at the edges. And so we've got needs to fill. Children's and youth ministry have needs to fill. We've got creative arts. That includes tech and all that's going on. We've got needs to fill. Maybe you're a musician. We've got needs for connections as first impressions and prayer team and other things like that. We've got needs to fill to help us expand God's kingdom on earth. And so I want every single person to do this. Um, if you're scared, we have donuts. All right, so you just get up and go eat a donut, all right? That's, that's all I'm asking. And so if you already serve, if you already serve, I want you to do this too. You just put it in the ministry that you already serve, okay? So everybody's going to get up. Everybody's going to do this. If you're already serving, you're encouraging others. If you're not serving yet, you can ask questions. And let me be clear, you're not signing on a dotted line today. You're just giving that ministry representative the right or the permission to contact you about serving, okay? That's all you're doing. So if you want to think about it or whatever, put it somewhere today, okay? Don't, don't go like, eh, i got to spend 10 weeks praying about this. Don't do that. Just drop it off somewhere and get the ball rolling. And if we contact you and you're like, you know what, I made a mistake. I actually don't play guitar, then that's fine, all right? <laughs> that's fine. You can tell us that later, and that will be absolutely fine. If you are a visitor today, this is one of your first times here, and you haven't done this yet, 
then we don't want you to have to go figure out where you're going to serve today. Take the Connect card, fill that out like Pastor Chase was talking about earlier and Pastor Nate was talking about at Washington campus. Fill that out and drop that at the Connections table back there and we will give you that gift that he talked about. So that's all we want you to do. You can go get a donut. If you're watching online, your moderator is going to give you a link to go check things out and sign up to serve. We would love for you to do that. We're all doing this on three. Ready? One, two, three. Let's go do it. All right. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, praying that the Lord blesses you as you serve sacrificially. And if you have any questions about that, you just couldn't let go of that orange thing and you were like, oh, now you could talk to us later. That's okay. We'll talk to you about it. Help you find a place of meaningful service here at Great Oaks. So, so you are in God's house at all times, right? You're in his creation. Everything that you come into contact with, everything in your mind, everything you have in your house, in your bank account, in your hands, it all belongs to God. It was all given to you by God. You don't own any of it. And so I want to encourage you, don't, don't be the person, the awkward person who goes to somebody else's house and rummages through their cabinets, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. You are a manager. And as God's managers, Adam and Eve, and then these three servants, they were, in, in Matthew 25, they were given an immense amount of freedom, immense amount of freedom to, to exercise what God had called them to, to exercise. And, and yet Adam and Eve gave their freedom over to the devil. And the, the wicked servant in Matthew 25, he buried his so each of us has the freedom to, to mess up our gardens, our families, our lives, our influence. You're free to manage poorly, just as you are free to manage well. And it matters. Jesus is coming back. It matters. There will be a day of reckoning. So I want to encourage you, live your life here on earth, this tiny little blip on the map of eternity, live it, spending everything you have, investing everything you have, time, abilities, influence, and money into expanding the kingdom of God here on earth. Invest wisely so that on that day, you will hear from your master, well done, good, and faithful servant. Live for that well done. At all of our campuses, Germantown, online, Washington, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your word that is timely and timeless. Thank you, God, for speaking to us today. I pray that today would be a day of action, that the faith, the truth, the gospel, your word, that it would be like a seed that would go into the hearts of many and find good soil there, that, that action would come out of that, that fruit would be produced even today, that we would be a people who tithe faithfully and serve sacrificially, invest wisely into expanding your kingdom. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're out of time, but let me just tell you what my prayer for you today is. May, may you never question that God owns the whole of creation and everything in it, including you. May you joyfully accept the position he's given you as manager and steward of, of that which he hands into your hands. And may you invest wisely. May you invest wisely so that God will say to you on that last day, well done, good and faithful servant.
Make sure you talk this over with your life group. If you're not in a life group, just stop at Connection Central. We'll get you plugged in. As always, my challenge to you is to leave here not dismissed, but sent. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. You can feel free to go, and we'll see you next week.